welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Father, speak to us today. Teach us what you have to say. Father, make it really clear. Take my mind, take my tongue, and may it be an instrument of the Holy Spirit to speak with clarity, to speak with divine power and authority. Holy Spirit, teach the word of God today. Jesus promised that you would guide us into all truth. I pray for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When, when, you, when you read the scriptures, you, uh, you will discover it says some interesting things about the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, in the uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, it says that Jesus was an uncommon teacher. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now, each time I read this, I always kind of get a double message. The one is I go, they must have been kind of boring, <laughs> okay? And the, the other is Jesus brought a new life and a new power to the word of God that they were used to hearing. Isn't that amazing? But then in John chapter three, verses one and two, it makes it really clear. Not only did Jesus have an uncommon teaching, he had an uncommon ministry. Look at what it says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he was like one of the, one of the leading Pharisees, one of the top Pharisees. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. <clears throat> but not only that, the next two are really astonishing because it says that Jesus had a really uncommon character and an uncommon peace in his spirit. Look at what it says in Matthew 26, 62 and 63. And the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. Uh, None of us are used to that. When someone is being accused, someone's, they, boy, immediately they want to defend themselves, right? Jesus kept silent. Look, look here in 27, 13 and 14. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him, not one word. So that the governor marveled greatly. Truly. Jesus lived an astonishing life that was very different from anything 
his generation had seen. He lived a very uncommon life. But the, but the scripture makes it really clear that the apostles and the believers in the first century church, they also lived a life that wasn't natural. In Acts chapter two, it says that they had a very uncommon experience with Almighty God. It says, then they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? They had a very uncommon experience with Almighty God. And it just sent everyone into going, what this? What's going on here? In fact, if you remember in that chapter, they were saying, these guys, these guys must be, I mean, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, but they're already drunk. Peter had to stand up and say, wait, 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 wait. We're not drunk. Well, we're drunk on the Holy Spirit. We've experienced God in a way you've never seen, right? In chapter 4, verse 13, it says they had an uncommon knowledge and wisdom. Listen to how it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, meaning they didn't have doctoral theology, They didn't have formal training in theology. Okay, you you get what they're saying? Say, perceive that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Uncommon, uncommon knowledge, uncommon wisdom doesn't stop there though. In chapter five, it says that they had an uncommon character and an uncommon faith. Listen to what one of their great theologians says. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Now this is their leading theologian speaking to the Sanhedrin, to the religious leaders. By the way, Nicodemus was in this meeting. Remember, he's one of the leading Pharisees. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest you be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called the apostles and beat them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. And so they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That didn't stop there. When they begin to go throughout the Roman world, because all this is going on so far in Jerusalem, now they're out in the Roman world and they are making an uncommon influence upon the culture and the people in every community that they go to. Listen to what it says in chapter 17 of the book of Acts. But when they did not find them, 
they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, thieves who have turned the world upside down have come here too. (laughs) The Lord Jesus Christ and the believers of the apostolic church lived an uncommon life. But then that's what living the life of a disciple and a believer of Jesus Christ is supposed to be. We have been studying throughout this year living the incomparable life. And we've talked about the promise of the incomparable life. We have talked about consistent, victorious living. But dear ones, listen, if if we in living our life, if we let our life be influenced by stress, if we are captured by woofa, worry, fear, and anxiety, if we allow resentment and bitterness to grow in our life, <clears throat> if we have anger, And we use vulgarity when we get angry the same way everyone around us does? What's incomparable about that? Huh? We're just living like the world. And the whole promise. When, When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. What did he say to the Pharisee Nicodemus? Except a man be born again cannot see the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul wrote to the believers at at Corinth and he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. In other words, if we have been born again, if we say that we are a Christian, that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ, if we're declaring and our testimony is that Jesus lives in us, then we should be living an uncommon life. Our life should be completely different from the culture and the people around us. They should be looking at us and going, you know, you're a little weird. But man, there's something different about you. <laughs> See, that's, that's what the apostle Peter was saying when he wrote in his second epistle. And he said to them, listen, he said in verses 8, 9, and 10, he said, but if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow, really? And then he goes on to say, he says, giving all diligence to ensure the... Uh, uh, to ensure of your eternal destiny. And you will never stumble. Look at, 
He wants your life so that it's not barren, but it's bountiful, that you can live consistently. You don't have to be up and down, up and down, up and down. That's God's plan for you. That's God's desire for you. Well, what are these things? He says, are supposed to be abounding in you. If these things are in you and abound, what's he talking about? Well, it's what we've been sharing for the last several weeks. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, or self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. Godliness. King David wrote something very, very interesting in the 12th Psalm. Help, O Lord, for the godly cease. And what does he say? The faithful disappear from the sons of men. Listen to what David is saying. David is saying, God, God, we got a serious problem here. Because even among those who claim to be believers, those who claim that they are followers of God, those who claim, if we're going to put it in in our vernacular, those who claim a Christian testimony, those who really are living a godly life, they've ceased. And those who live faithfully, they're disappearing. Well, what did, did, did King David live in the... 21st century or what? I, I, I absolutely stand astonished that many, many of what we call our mega churches, their worship team on Sunday morning, on Friday night and Saturday night have been playing in bars. Because it's, it's not about whether they're living godly and they're faithful to the Lord. It's the quality of their musicianship that we're looking for. I'm, I'm amazed at how many in church are, on Sunday morning are singing how much they love Jesus. But on Friday night and Saturday night, they were hooking up. Folks, there's something wrong here. It's like what King David was saying. God, the godly are ceasing. It's like godliness doesn't matter anymore. And yet, it mattered very much to Peter. And Peter said, if if you're gonna live that incomparable life, there's got to be godliness. Godliness has to be a component of that. Now, I'm gonna pause just a second. I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to give you a chance to catch your breath. And I, I want you just to whisper, amen. Go ahead, just say, amen. Now, I don't want you to say it too loud because it might startle the person next to you. It's been so quiet in here this morning. Amen. Can somebody just say amen? amen. Okay. I, bet I, was, I wasn't certain that I was in a spirit-filled church there for a second. Okay. Well, what, what are we seeing? Well, let's, let's look, first of all, what in the world is godliness? Well, it's this Greek word that you probably have never seen and don't care to see again. Eusebia. 
And most commonly, people think of it as meaning piety or reverence for God. And, and yes, it means that. But when you look at the word as it was used historically and in classical Greek writing, it was much deeper than just, well, piety and reverence for God. In the classical Greek writings, it meant an homage that came out of the recognition of the human dependence on their gods. But not only that, it, it, was, it, it had a clear recognition that there was the profane and the ungodly and there was the opposite of that, Eusebia. And so to fully understand the depth and the meaning of Eusebia, there was a clear understanding that there were those things that were perverse, that were profane, and that were ungodly. And those things caused that which was Eusebia to stand out even more. Am I making sense what I'm saying? Now, when you take that Greek word and you move it from the classical Greek writing and you move it into the writing of the Holy Scripture, it carries this meaning, that mankind is completely dependent upon God. And that there is one God, not many gods. There is one true God, almighty God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. Amen? And that all reverence and worship of the one true God comes out of the recognition that there are things that profane and defile and offend the living God. And so my worship and my reverence to the living God, I avoid those things and I run after those things that honor him, that show reverence to him. Come on, amen? Am I making sense what I'm saying? That is godliness. Godliness. The recognition that I want my life to be as much like Christ as it can possibly be. But also that, that, that godliness is directly connected to perseverance. So, so when, when Peter is talking about these things that need to be abounding in you so that they will, they will enable you to live a consistent life and an abundant, bountiful, overflowing life, he is saying, 
Listen, you, you've got to learn how to joyfully endure. But not only joyfully endure, but you're adding to that godliness. So I'm not just hanging on till Jesus comes. Right? But I am, I am I'm enduring this with a joy in my heart and wanting my life to reflect my reverence and honor and value and that I authentically love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I know he's not abandoned me in this. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm having to endure, no matter what kind of adversity is coming into my life, my life is going to glorify Almighty God because I am learning to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Godliness. Godliness. Now that's what it's talking about in Romans chapter 5 and in Romans chapter 8. And, and so we have to look there. If you want to, to go there. Romans chapter 5 beginning at verse 1. Okay. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Really? Really? Then what's all that grumbling I hear? Manna again? We had manna for breakfast. We had manna for lunch. We've had manna for dinner for the last... 920 days. Manna again. Completely forgetting that it was heavenly food. It was the food of angels. They're eating angelic food. But all they can do is grumble. It was better for us in Egypt. At least we had leeks and garlic back there. Well, yeah, but you also had slavery. Come on. This isn't amazing how we will we will begin we will get in the middle of adversity, and instead of celebrating and rejoicing the greatness of our God, all we can think of is God, why'd you do this to me? Come on. But Paul says, but that's not what it's like. If we really are celebrating and rejoicing in the grace that we were just singing about, amazing grace, then we also glory in tribulation. How come, Paul? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. 
and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hallelujah. Maybe one of the reasons you're not experiencing the love of God at the level that you think you should be is because there's too much grumbling coming out of your mouth. And if there was more glory and joy and praise to the living God, even in the midst of what you're going through, you would find hope and you would find a greater measure of God's love gripping your heart and life. Godliness. Want to go to Romans 8? Romans 8, 28. Let's go there. Romans 8, 28. You know this verse well, don't you? I hope you do. If you've never seen it before, this is an amazing promise. And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. Well, I can't see how good would ever come out of this. I probably can't either. But that's not our job. We're not God. All you can see is what is immediately in front of you. Almighty God sees the end already. And he knows how he's going to bring good out of this. But here's the key. To them that love God, do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And to them who are the called according to his purpose, are you willing to allow God's call and God's purpose to be worked out in your life? If you are, then God's promise to you is even this will turn for good some way, somehow, at some point in your life. It's going to. You can trust him. But not only that, look at, go on down. Look at at how it, it says, if God before us, who can be against us? Look how it says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? You are God's chosen. You're God's elect. How can anyone bring a charge against you? It's God who justifies. Christ has justified you. Come on, amen? And even though the world may look at you and count you as sheep for the slaughter, almighty God says, the world may mean it for evil, the devil may mean it for evil, I mean it for good. And I'm telling you, you are more than a conqueror. It's God's promise. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's add to your life godliness. We, we've, we must learn how to live uncommon in this world. It's learning how to live uncommon in this world. I am not normal. I am not a normal average human being. I have been born again. My life goes back to July 3rd, 1964. When God gave me a new heart, a new life source, a new life to live. 
And from that point to right now, I've been, I've been learning how to live Christ-likeness in my life. Godliness. To become as much like God as I can always be. Now, if you start looking at me with a magnifying glass, a microscope, you start using a fine-tooth comb on my life, you're going to find all kinds of warts and foibles and weirdness, just like I will in you. But can I tell you, if you will take and if you will look at me with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, you will see what Jesus sees, a new creation. That's becoming more and more like my daddy. See, there's there's no greater, there's no greater praise to someone than to want to be just like them. Right? I mean, the greatest form of adoration is trying to be like them, right? Am I making sense what I'm saying? See, it's the same. Jesus said exactly the same thing in John chapter 14, verse 15. We get really confused with this. How many here at least one time in this last year has heard someone say, well, you don't want to be legalistic. You don't want to come under the law. The law, you know, that's Old Testament. That's, that does not apply. How many have heard that at least one time? I mean, I've heard it 25 million times, you know, because this, this generation, it's all about that. They have forgotten what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. So I don't, I don't, I don't try to keep the Ten Commandments to keep myself righteous so I can go to heaven. I'm going to heaven because I've been born again. The reason I try to keep the Ten Commandments and so many of the other things is because I'm so in love with Him and the Ten Commandments reflect the character and nature of Almighty God, my Heavenly Father, and I want to be just like my Daddy. Look at me. I'm running around in these shoes that are 10 sizes too big, but I'm trying to be like my daddy. And I know they don't fit very well, and I stumble at times, but I want to tell you something. I'm becoming more and more like daddy. I'll never forget, I'll never forget. I just got a mental picture. It flashes way back to when Aaron was about four or five years old, and and. We, we had a hallway that went down to the bedrooms off of, off of our formal living room and formal dining room, and it went down. And, and Aaron's running down this hallway towards Wanda in the kitchen. He's got his hands like this, pulling his hair back, and says, Mommy, I want a haircut like Daddy's. <laughs> and, and, and Wanda said, You'll get there. <laughs> and he is, <laughs> much to his chagrin. Uh, his comb over is not covering as much as it used to. <laughs> I'm not going to say that in the 1045 service because that one's broadcast. 
And if you say, I said it, you'll have no evidence. <laughs> I'll go on. She was just signaling me, I'm testimony, I'm evidence. <laughs> To be, I'm sorry, I, I, I think I'm supposed to be at the next slide. It might even be two ahead. I, I jumped ahead. Yeah, go ahead and go to the next one. There we go. If you love me, keep my commandments. Because I want to, be, I, I'm so in love with you, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. Now, the same writer said something really, really profound in his first epistle that is almost totally ignored in this generation of the church. If we say that we know him, how do we know that? Well, I know Jesus. Well, how do we know that you know Jesus? Now, by this we know that we know him. It's, it's, it's really difficult. But in, in this generation of rewrite and reconstructionism, we want to we, we say that that doesn't mean what it says. It says what it means. And it means what it says. If we say we know him, if we keep his commandments... Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. See, and again, it's not, it's not because I'm striving to try and get to heaven. I, I am saved. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. I'm a new creation. I've been born again. And I want to be just like my papa. I love him so much. I want to be like him. And so I'm, I'm seeking to be as Christ-like as I can possibly be in my attitude, in my behavior, in my speech, in my conduct. And I'm doing that not out of law and legalism. I'm doing that out of love. Yes, yes. Out of love. I love you. I want to be like you. Jesus, make me like you. That's godliness. godliness. One last closing scripture. If you have your scriptures, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Sorry, guys, I, 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 I made a typo. 
Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And I want to stop. Imitators. Mimetes. We get the English word mimic from this Greek word, mimetes. And it means a person who copies their master or their teacher in behavior and speech. Mimetes. Look how closely that is tied to when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and make decisions. He didn't say go and just and 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 have people say they believe. He said, go and make disciples. Mathetes. Mathetes carries the entire concept. We get the English word mathematics from this, by the way. Mathetes means to be a student who is following the pattern of their teacher. And so they want their behavior, their conduct, their speech, their philosophy, their ideology to be just like their master, just like their teacher, just like their instructor. You see how closely these are tied together as Dear children, be imitators of God. Be just like your papa. Be just like your master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how, what, what's that going to look like, Apostle Paul? Well, he begins telling us here as he goes on. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness. Now, okay, so here we have, we, we have the parallel. Godliness. Eusebia. It has this, this piety, this reverence. But it also has this other where it, it sees the perversion. It sees the profanity. It sees ungodliness. And it sees that that is inappropriate. That is defiling and it makes what is good and wholesome and godly over here stand out even more. The Apostle Paul is beginning to draw that parallel. He's showing us what it is to be an imitator of God. To be godly. To have godliness in our life. On the one hand, it's loving as Jesus loves. On the other hand, fornication and all uncleanness or covetous. Let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So I'm going to have a thankful heart. Right? I'm going to have a loving heart. I'm going to have a pure, clean heart. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Wow. What is God saying to us? He is saying to us, there is a life I want to see you living. And it is a life. You see, we, we, we have to look at ourselves and go, I will never be able to live the incomparable life if I'm not living the uncommon life. And and I will never be able to live the uncommon life if I haven't been willing to acknowledge that there is a standard of life that God has said is appropriate for his children. And that standard is godliness, Christ-likeness. And I must be willing in my life to accept that God set that standard. That's not a man-made deal. That wasn't, that wasn't made by some church organization or some theologians. That was established by God himself. Yes. That's, why, that's, why, that's why the writer of Psalms says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He also said, he said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by giving heed to thy word. See, there's a standard. And God set that standard. And I must be willing to embrace that standard in my life. Would you stand with me, please? I want to ask you a question. Between you and God, not asking for a show of hands. I'm asking for you that that little that little sanctuary that you made a few moments ago when you were having communion, would you step back into that little sanctuary? Would you close your eyes and would you have a moment with Heavenly Father? This is just you and Papa. Have there been things that he's been trying to tell you and you've been unwilling to listen? And he has said to you, you know, that that language really offends me. That that kind of attitude really hurts me. As he said to you, that kind of entertainment really is defiling. I I wish you would stop that. I I wish you would. Has Has he said to you I I really wish that you would draw closer to me. But you can't draw closer to me until you correct this. And, And thus far, 
you've been unwilling to obey. Would you this morning in your heart say to him, I lay that down. I lay that down for a greater measure of godliness in my life so that I am more pleasing to you, Papa, because I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you, Daddy. I want to be just like you. And I ask you to forgive my disobedience. And I ask you to wash my heart and take this away. I want to be just like you, Daddy. I want to be just like you. Father, I love you. I really love you. And out of my love for you, Lord, I want to be more and more like you. I want to be more and more like you. Oh, Father, in my attitude, in my conduct, in my speech, I want to be more and more like you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you in Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. May I hear a resounding amen? Amen. Amen. Give him a praise, would you? Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ surround you. May his love flood your heart. And may his perfect peace protect, guard, and keep your mind. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We are so blessed that you joined us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541 567 or email us at info at winacity.com.